Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. I have had high highs and low lows. Um, um, the, uh, the Psalms talks about uh, Psalm 13. How long, oh God, how long will this continue? Um, do you not see me? Do you not hear me? And simultaneously, I know in my heart, he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you. Those are the words of Garth Warren, now an executive with a large church denomination, but whose life has been physically influenced by a traumatic brain injury suffered many years ago, and how that affects his everyday life even now. Welcome to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was Derek. a golden boy. All we can do right now is come Extreme together. Extreme domestic violence multiple rapes. This is Life Support, hosted by Pastor Paul Johnson from Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. My name is Steve Johnson, director of Five Stone Media, a co-sponsor of this program, and our goal, as always, is to use story to bring hope and healing. And now let's join the conversation with Pastor Paul. So glad you've joined us on Life Support. We tell stories to help you find a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ through suffering and trauma. And God does work through these times in our lives, and so I hope you're encouraged today. We have a very special guest with us. Garth Warren is the Chief Development Officer for the Evangelical Free Church of America, and he's got quite a story to tell. Garth, thank you so much for being here. Mm, Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. You know, you are a guy that I looked through your, your bio, your resume, and uh, you've done a lot of really interesting things. And I know your story, at least the part we're going to focus on today, mm-hmm. uh, really began when you were in Tennessee. And you weren't doing development officer work then, were you? What were you doing there? No, that's for certain. Um, uh, actually, as I was thinking about this conversation today, I was just recalling, um, knowing that we were going to talk a little bit about this story, um, that uh, it was actually 36 years ago next week that this story kind of began. And the reason I know that is because um, I was married 36 years and uh, six months ago, and so um, my wife ended up with a different guy than she ultimately married, that she uh, intentionally married. So um, uh, 36 years ago, I had the opportunity to become a graduate assistant football coach at the University of Tennessee. Uh, I had coached, I played and coached small college football for a few years, and uh, and when the opportunity came to uh, to coach, I, uh, I jumped at it. And on day one of my uh, experience at the University of Tennessee, as happened most days uh, during lunchtime, the coaches would play basketball. And uh, during the basketball game on day one, um, I uh, went up for a rebound, and accidentally um, the person who was guarding me uh, took my legs out from underneath me, and I landed, and I landed uh, on my head and was um, knocked unconscious for quite some period of time, and and I came to in the uh, training room, but uh, my life changed. I didn't know it at the time, but my life changed and changed uh, drastically. Um, The experience, um, I suspect that most people would call it a brain injury, uh, now a traumatic brain injury. Didn't know that that's what it was at the time, but my ears began to ring. Uh, It was always um, hard for me to focus. I felt um, very much 
I used to describe it as um, feeling somewhat intoxicated, and my wife challenged me on that because she said some people might see that as a relaxed feeling, and you don't feel relaxed at all. She said, you know, you need to choose another or think about another word, and I think that the reality is I feel a brain fog, mm -hmm. and that experience is um, pretty much uh, my reality day in and day out for the past 36 years, so uh, different than I thought, and more importantly, different than my wife signed up for. So, Well, she's uh, all of our wives are champs for putting up with us Amen. so um so okay so this thing happens and you're just starting your time at tennessee which uh you know was a an immensely successful college football program and and, and anybody's dream to work at a school like that so what happened next did you try to plug on there at tennessee I did. Um, being a graduate assistant, ultimately your opportunity would be to become a full-time assistant coach, and that opportunity did present itself after uh, 18 months or so. And at that point, my wife and I, a little bit having to do with um, the brain injury, but frankly, a little bit more having to do with just the life of a college football coach. We have dear, dear friends in college and NFL coaching worlds right now. But um, for us, um, the uh, it just became clear that um, that was not the lifestyle that we wanted to have. It seemed like you were either getting uh, promoted and, and moving or getting fired and moving. And in either case, um, we just decided that for our lives that uh, was not the, the course that we were going to take. So um, I ultimately ended up leaving the coaching profession, at least professionally. I continued to coach throughout uh, the next couple of decades with our kids and the likes. I think what most people don't realize, and you know, my life before pastoring was a, as a sports broadcaster and I covered the University of Arizona and I I think what people don't realize are college football coaches are never home mm. you know I mean you would you would fly in from a game and they would get off the plane and then they'd be off to their next flight to go recruiting yeah. and I remember um, the, the Wildcats beat Miami in the Fiesta Bowl and there was the coaches didn't celebrate they were off recruiting before the players even knew they were gone and that can't be Healthy. I mean, there has to be a lot of risk involved with that kind of a lifestyle, right? <laughs> yeah, for certain. Just a little anecdotal. Uh, um, each coach, including graduate assistants, had a responsibility to go out on Thursday nights during game season to different communities. My community, leaving Knoxville, Tennessee, was to go to Chattanooga, Tennessee. And, and the distance was such that you couldn't be late to get there by 7 o'clock. And yet our head coach at the time, Johnny Majors, was notorious for getting us off the field late. And so we're always running late. And long story short, um, my wife and I are um, uh, racing down the interstate to get to the big orange club uh, profile of what was going to happen on Saturday, uh, on Thursday night, get to that meeting. And, uh, and sure enough, one of Tennessee's finest state troopers uh, pulls up behind us and stops me because I'm <laughs> racing down the interstate, long story short very, very fast. He saw that I had my Tennessee coaching outfit on, and I told him where I was going. He says, you're going to the Big Orange Club? And I said, yes. And no exaggeration, Paul, for 40 minutes, he sped us with a police escort. I don't doubt it. it. Yeah. yeah, it's a different world. They take there. football seriously yes, down do. there. Yeah. All right, so when did you meet Jesus, Garth? Because obviously uh, you're a deep man of faith. When did that happen in your life? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, uh, I get asked that question, and, and at some level I uh, 
I say I met him again fresh this morning, and I'm so thankful for that, uh, or that he was willing to meet with me again fresh this morning. But I was raised in a uh, in a Christian home. I was uh, my my mom was married to a man, not my dad. And in the 1950s, um, while on vacation, uh, my mom at 21 um, uh, lost her husband to a massive heart attack. He was just a little bit older, and so my mom had to bury, uh, load up on a train, um, take her husband from the West Coast back to South Dakota, bury him, and then figure out life with a three-year-old, my sister. Um, So I was conceived uh, out of wedlock, and uh, then my parents got married, and, um, and I can't remember a day in my life when I didn't know about the love of God or um, being brought to church. Having said that, um, my parents were both pretty quiet about their faith and uh, were not um, uh, robust in terms of teaching us to read the Word of God or to pray, but I always knew or sensed the presence of God in my life. And I remember asking Jesus into my life as a very young, young boy. And so now here you are at Tennessee as a believer, and you uh, have this head injury. You didn't know exactly how serious it was at the time. Mm-hmm. When did it start to become apparent that this was going to be a life-changing event for you? Yeah, We left Tennessee. I finished some graduate work, um, and, uh, and I ended up entering the, uh, the insurance world as an insurance salesman. And um, almost immediately, um, the, uh, maybe some of the stress of going into commission sales, but uh, whatever the number of factors were, it became real clear that my life was not easy. Uh, When I shaved, I didn't know if I'd get all the whiskers. When I was driving down the road, I didn't know if I was completely on the right side of the road or not. When I'd have a conversation with you, I wasn't certain whether um, I had said something or not. And so um, there was a uh, period of 18 to 24 months where we did a bunch of testing, and and nothing was conclusive other than that, yep, you you had a brain injury, and and, um, nothing was going to be done about that other than – a good prescription, uh, get hydration, get rest, avoid stress, eat well, and those kinds of things. And so when I manage those things, I can, I can, um, I do better than when I don't manage those things. And so that's been a, a kind of an off on, on success story uh, over these decades. Yeah. And a lot of people who have been through trauma can at least at some level relate to that brain fog because that's all part of Um, what many go through when they're grieving or when they're experiencing trauma. But you had something actually physical happen to you that's not necessarily going to ever go away. So how do you grapple with that um, with God? Um, I I have had high highs and low lows. Um, um, The... uh, the Psalms talks about uh, Psalm 13. How long, O God, how long will this continue? Um, Do you not see me? Do you not hear me? And simultaneously, I know in my heart, he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you. And I, I, I know that. I know that in my head, and I have experienced that in my heart. I've experienced the peace and the comfort of, uh, of God amidst that which is uh, something that I wish that I didn't have, something that I wish was different than it is. We'll be back to the conversation with Paul and Garth Warren in just a moment. You know, Pastor Paul is hosting this program from a unique perspective. 
a survivor himself of family trauma, losing a wife and a son. And that's what life support is all about. Survivors in discussion with survivors. My name is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, and we are so pleased to be a co-sponsor of this program. For more about our work, log on to www.lifesupportresources.org. And now, back to Pastor Paul. And it's okay to wish that, right? I mean, there are people who, in the Christian community, that seem to be afraid to say, you know, I wish something would be different, or I long for something to be different. That's different than giving up on God or developing a bitter attitude. In, at least in my view, longings are God-given. Yeah, and yeah. then and that's where you can go to God and express that longing to Him. Yeah, and uh, and and I think that God, um, God is. I don't think I know that God is big enough that He can hear that. He can hear when I am in desperate mode, screaming at the top of my lungs. I don't get this, God. I I beg of you, God, to change, and yet He doesn't. And uh, and He, as I say, I have found to be faithful throughout. And so, um, for that which is um, inexplicable at this side of the juncture, I've been uh, gracious. Uh, God has been gracious enough to me to say, "Hey, you're not seeing the whole picture. You're just seeing part of the picture right now." So hang in there. <laughs> That's good. Uh, Garth Warren is my guest. He's the chief. A development officer for the Evangelical Free Church of America. We're talking about uh, his story, which included a, a brain injury uh, back when he was a football coach and now uh, doing this. And you talked about crying out to God. Mm-hmm. And that goes to, I think, a lot of people's questions about the effectiveness of prayer. So someone might be listening right now and saying, well, yeah, I cry out to God all the time. Nothing ever changes. So why pray? Yeah, I hear that. Um, I know for myself that um, there are times when I can't pray for myself, and uh, and yet uh, I have asked people to intercede for me. Uh, I was not always public about the reality of my brain injury um, about three or four years ago, um, my wife and I got real serious about, boy, is there anything that we could do, either medically or, or somehow to, to get well, to get well mentally. And, um, and so we did a lot of testing, a lot of counseling, a lot of uh, seeking of insight, and, um, and resolved ultimately that um, there probably was nothing physically, physiologically that could be done, but there are things that can be done. Um, Satan is our enemy, and so to um, pray, uh, we believe in the power of that. And so I enlisted um, some people who have a gift, a supernatural gift of prayer, to intercede for me. And, um, and I would attribute uh, the wellness that I have, and I can assure you that I am better today than I have been in decades, and I've had consistency of being better than I have been in decades, and I can attribute it um, to a number of people who would pray, but one person in particular, a dear friend of mine, Steve Neubauer, uh, who prays every Monday earnestly 
robustly and with words, and he he shares those words with me and has been consistent over almost a two-year period, and I can almost to the week show the the progress, so to speak. Having said that, I I am very clear about the fact that that's not always the way it works. Um, Sometimes uh, people do get their prayers answered and sometimes they don't, so I am not implying that uh, it's uh, it's, uh, God... I'm not implying that God always answers on our timeline. Yeah, that's that's for sure. And I think that what I tell people is God deeply desires to have relationship with you. And prayer is really about that relationship developing and about relinquishing and about learning more about God. And prayer isn't necessarily about getting the final outcome adjusted the way you want it. Mm. It's really about the process. Mm. And the the people I know that are prayer warriors, if you want to use that term, which is popular in our Christian circles, are people that are really tuned in, not just to their prayer life, but to who God is. And you can see that active in their lives far outside of just their prayer life. Yeah, yeah. I was at uh, breakfast this morning with a, uh, a gentleman, and... Um, You know, I I believe God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and I believe that the Holy Spirit will sometimes just prompt, and I don't know exactly what to say about that, but the Lord just prompted me to say to the waitress, how are you doing? And she said, fine. And I said, I looked her in the eyes, and I said, how are you really doing? And she began to well up a little bit. And uh, I asked how we could pray for her, and uh, and then she really began to well up, and she um, said, "I am suffering from massive anxiety, mm-hmm. and I am uh, I've worked through three meds, and none of them have worked, and now I've gone cold turkey off of meds, and I don't know whether I should take the fourth one or not." And I'm trying to, and 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 she professed Christ; she she is a believer, and yet she's her life is. Um, in a really hard place, right? And uh, and I have no idea in the heavenlies, but I said, could I, you know, it took courage on her part as a waitress to say yes, but I said, could I pray for you? And she said yes. And so so we did. We prayed right then and there. And I prayed. I prayed for God's grace that God would speak to her through his word, through circumstances, through music, through people, um, or just through a piece of comfort that he might provide either for this day or for a longer period of time. Because... Um, we need each other, right? And so um, somebody shared with me about prayer that, you know, the, the words silent and the words and the word silent and the word listen have the same letters in them. And, uh, and so I just wonder sometimes if uh, I ought to be silent before the Lord, listening to him with his word open so that he can speak to me. Yeah, that's something that we don't take time to do often enough. I, the issue I have when it comes to prayer is um, I set aside time. I do pray. I get distracted very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I can very quickly be off into some stratosphere that I had no idea I was right. even going to. Yeah. So I have to, number one, trust that God understands that, and yeah. he's just glad that I'm there with him. Right. And so yeah. then I want to pray organized prayers, but then what happens is then I end up being, you know, doing all the talking yeah. and not just getting into a place of listening and wow, what a what a skill that is to learn. And as I go through the Proverbs, um, go through Proverbs each morning, there is so much there about listening and being slow to speak and, you know, watching the tongue and all those kinds of things. So how do you discipline yourself to to listen to God? 
Well, we are of kindred spirit. I have a wandering mind, and uh, and I uh, it, it is hard. There's no question about it. So, I mean, practically speaking, I know that if uh, if I am sitting or lying down or even, frankly, not having my Bible open, my my mind will wander. And I'm mindful of the scripture that says they pursued worthless idols and they became worthless themselves. And uh, and so, how do I not pursue worthless things? How do I pursue the things of God? So, so I, I most of the time stand, and walk when I pray. Um, I try to work through a list that you might be on that list on Tuesday, but mm-hmm. I won't come back to you until next mm-hmm. Tuesday so that I feel like I'm making some progress. I try to mark down when I see some victories in, in the Lord, and I, and I regularly do see victories, so I'm thankful for those. And to celebrate them, use, use words around that to say with uh, either a child of ours or my spouse or someone else, hey, um, we were praying for this, and, and God has answered. So, um, uh, I think just practically um, knowing that our enemy will try um, to uh, distract us, try to figure out ways to, um, I guess, metaphorically keep the lights on um, <laughs> as it relates to Which is hard to do sometimes at yeah. 6 in the morning when yeah. it's dark outside. Right. And, yeah. uh, yeah. But, but we're all different. Mm-hmm. And I've read many books on prayer, and sometimes they can be so prescriptive that it, it's maybe great for them, but somebody else like you, you, you like to walk and pray. Yeah. Others like to be on their knees. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I would say that don't, don't, you don't have to do it the way everyone else does it. Just find what works for you so you can commune with God. He's there. Yeah. It's just a matter of trying to figure out how to work within the circumstances. I mean, in my home, it's not very quiet. Yeah. So I, I put earbuds in, and I, I put that white noise on and, you know, hope for the best. Yeah. Um, but God understands all that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. God understands it. And, and, you know, to think that at some point in the not too distant future, we will be in his presence and to think we have the opportunity right now to build into that relationship or maybe more importantly be poured into as it relates to that relationship and so uh commune abide rest dwell uh if i'm completely honest i strive a lot more than mm-hmm. i should i try to take things into my own hands and uh and uh, I'm not much of a golfer, but I have golfed just enough to know that when I just relax and swing easy and keep my head down on the ball, the ball just takes off like a rocket. But most of the time I just try to kill it, and it just goes out three or four yards or something like that. I embarrass myself in that process. I think God wants me to swing easy. I think God wants me, us, to enjoy this life Albeit there's hardships um, yeah. and recognize that. And I think as it relates to the earlier topic about hardships, and in my case, brain fog, I think that the Lord um, has given me the ability to see people, um, see brokenness in others, and to be able to come alongside them in ways that I would have never have done. So uh, at some level, glory be to God that, uh, that he was gracious enough to break me. Yeah, and that's a statement that you just made that only— someone that's driven by the Holy Spirit can can say, thank you, Lord, for breaking me. And when we come back next time, I want to delve into that more because you started our time by saying, you know, my wife married uh, a different person. And I thought for a moment, I'm trying to like go through the sequence of how many you know marriages. And I went, oh, I get it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but there must have been a huge adjustment for you. Um, and here you are on the other side of this, still dealing with it, but saying, 
Well, thanks, Lord. Thanks for what you're doing. And that's something that only happens when you're rooted deep and when the Holy Spirit is doing a work in you. And I think that's an important message for people to hear, that it is possible. And it, and there is light at the end of the tunnel. Amen. Yeah. Right? It's not always darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Because when you're in the middle of it, it feels like it's never going to be light again. Yeah. Yeah, and and I I'm convinced that at some level, uh, God has graced our family. God has graced my wife and I with the blessing of others who were two or three steps ahead of us, who could mm-hmm. shine that light when we didn't have the ability to see, but had walked the trail, some somewhat similar in such a manner that um, they could give us confidence. You're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. Just just keep taking steps. Well, there's a lot there. Thanks so much for being here. We'll pick up on this next time. We've got a lot to talk about. And I really appreciate you being here, Garth. Thanks for having me. And Garth is the Chief Development Officer for the Evangelical Free Church of America, talking about um, an injury that he sustained in his life with God. But I find it interesting that he was talking about a waitress he just met who was struggling with anxiety. And anxiety is a huge issue right now in America with all of the the COVID and the political uh, issues going on. And so I just go back to Philippians so often. Philippians 4, beginning in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is the peace of God, not the peace that's found in the world or in politics or in your church or from your spouse or from your friends. This is a peace that God gives. And so I just encourage you today that if you're struggling with trauma or grief or anxiety or whatever it might be in your life, just allow God to minister to you, to speak to you, invest in that relationship, and that's where true peace comes from. And that's what we talk about here on Life Support. We want to help those who are are struggling to understand that Jesus is there. In fact, many times in trauma, this is when Jesus shows himself even more and when we seek him even more. So I I just want to thank you for allowing us to spend some time with you. Life Support is made possible by our wonderful partners, Faith Radio. We thank them so much, MyFaithRadio.com. You can watch a video version of this podcast on the Five Stone Media website, FiveStoneMedia.com. And I would like you to check out Ridgewood Church. That's the church I pastor at myrwc.org. And you can find me on Twitter at Pastor Paul J. So thanks so much again for being with us. And we'll see you next time right here on Life Support. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.